Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Did you know that yearly Medicaid renewals will start again soon? This means millions of people who were enrolled in Medicaid during the pandemic may no longer be eligible for coverage. If this may impact you, the good news is you have options. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield can help answer your questions so you can find an affordable health plan for you and your family. We want you to feel confident you're covered. Click to learn more. Policy exclusions and limitations apply. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the trade name of Anthem Health Plans, Inc. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Friday TDN Super Show edition of the show, joined by our good friends, John Ledger and Trevor Sykema. And uh, this is this is the last podcast, I guess, before like Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So hopefully everyone is ready for the holidays. Happy holidays to you all and welcome to the show, Kyle. Let's get weird. Friday Super Show. Here we oh, go. What'd you just crack, you just crack open? Uh, Why do I not have Coca-Cola one? Zero Sugar. Oh, that's oh okay. what a stellar choice. Yeah. Wow. Great choice. Great I love, love Coca-Cola. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what we're rocking on this. This fine Friday is some Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. So thought it would have been thought it would have been a 20 uh, ounce glass of whiskey with a splash of Coke. That's I was going to say, that might be on the side. You might have that in addition to. The whiskey's the chaser. (laughs) There you go. Okay. John Ledger, the father of the group. I'm sure you have a busy time ahead here with the little one at home. How are you, sir? Good. The shopping is done. Uh, So, yeah, the the hard part is done of the season, I guess. And uh, from here on out, it's just smooth sailing, hopefully. Trevor, how are you? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? Always. I, what is John, what does Solak always say? Oh, every day is a great day. Um, <laughs> That's a great Solak voice. He's out of that Santa Claus. And <laughs> Solak at sixty years, but okay. That's, Poor Solak. Solak. <laughs> All right, so we are doing rookie superlatives today. We have three segments lined up for you, where we are going to list our three choices for a given uh, superlative for this rookie class that has performed very well. Five Pro Bowlers, a couple of very big snubs, in my opinion, with Darius Leonard and uh, and Bradley Chubb. And uh, so we're going to recap with some of the uh, the overarching themes with this entire group. And the first segment is three rookies that exceeded your personal year one expectations. So not the NFL's expectations, your expectations of what you thought this player would be in year one. Let's start off with Trevor. Okay, am I going like all three, or you just yeah, want yeah. me to oh, yeah. just like we did last week with you guys? Just rip up, rip through your three. Okay, first one, it's got to be faster than last week. By the yes. way, yes, okay. that's why we only did three <laughs> seconds right. instead of eighteen. So, first one, it's got to be Baker Mayfield for me. I liked Baker Mayfield a lot going into the draft. He was eighteenth on my board, but holy cow, he's been awesome. Um, he's been, he's been about as good as you can imagine for the prospect that he was. I was a little hesitant. I just wondered how it was going to translate for him. 
going from the uh, the offense that he had at Oklahoma to the NFL, specifically the Cleveland Browns. I know that didn't have to do with my board at the time, but he's been awesome. I mean, there's no way around it. He's been fantastic in so many different ways, um, both on the field and I think in the locker room, already just becoming a leader of that team and helping change the culture in Cleveland. Uh, my next guy, got to find him here. It's got to be Leighton Vander Esch because I had him 52 on my board and He's a monster, so he's doing way better than I thought he was. I liked his tape at Boise, but I just – I don't know. I didn't love it. I know John has talked about this before after he saw him at the Combine. John kind of flipped the switch, and, and he was like, all right, this dude, this dude's going to be a player in the NFL. And not the testing, the the, the, the demeanor, man. Like just yeah. – Right. I don't so, know. You, you know it if you're around it, I'd say. Yeah. For sure, and that's why meeting these guys is really cool, and the Combine's a really good experience because you get to see them face-to-face. You get to see some of their demeanor. Leighton Banner is one of those guys. And then the next dude, Dante Pettis, he was 60, 62nd on my board, I believe, and he's been fantastic. I mean, I know Brad Kelly. I was following his work last year, and he was pumping up Pettis a lot, but I was just like, man, but I don't know. Pettis is just – he's a smaller dude – I know he's going to have a great niche in the NFL, but I wonder if it's going to be more than a niche. He's been awesome. He's been able to take his talents and what he does really well and truly use it as trump cards against these DBs already here in his first year. So those would be my three guys that um, that have played even better than I thought they were going to in week one. I'm excited. I'm excited to see Pettis next year, hopefully with Garoppolo back, obviously. But then if they can get like a true X and he can be the Z. Yeah. Uh, I, or, or why, excuse me. I, I really get excited about, about his upside catches everything smooth route runner. Uh, John, uh, is there going to be a certain Colts linebacker on your list? Wow, Joe, what great perceptive <laughs> reasoning you've got there. Yes. Darius Leonard is on my list as players that exceeded my expectations. Safe to say, since he was ranked 163rd on my board, <laughs> I think this is the biggest miss of my career as a draft analyst. Uh, not only in, and it's befuddled me and, puzzled me to no end because I've gone back. I've looked at his tape from college again. And I was just like, I don't know, man, like not really sure what happened, but it does still doesn't look good to me. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, he's clearly playing a lot more athletic than what he's tested, tested at. And I didn't know he was injured during his testing until after the draft had happened, uh, early in the season, I found that out. So, um, I think that obviously there's some things to go in his evaluation that make you go, okay, maybe, you know, that could have been avoided if I had known that or whatever, but still like I wasn't impressed with his tape either. And I think he's been unbelievable in the NFL. So uh, definitely exceeded my expectations there. Braden Smith too. You know, I had a third round grade on Braden Smith. I didn't hate Braden Smith or anything like that, but I did think he was a little bit of a reach where Andy took him and I didn't love him as a guard. I mean, that Raekwon Davis tape, that tape against Alabama, he just got tossed around and I thought there were pad level issues and didn't think he was really violent enough, uh, more of a finesse type of player. And I wondered to Brandon Thorne, I said, what would what would you think about moving Braden Smith to tackle? And I hadn't heard anyone say this at all. Just because, you know, if you're more of a finesse player, I'd expect you to have a better chance of success at tackle than a guard. So it was something we discussed. And then sure enough, they moved him to tackle uh, early in the season after the season had started. And he's been really good there so far. So we'll see if that can be a long term you know, spot for him. But um, I, I was excited to see that they moved him and then to see him doing well there is definitely uh, this early, especially for an offensive lineman, has surprised me. And then Deshaun Hand is the other guy. I mean, I know he's – I expect him to be like a solid run defender, but I don't know, man. Like, I, I guess he's been kind of good as a pass rusher too. I mean, PFF says that. Lions guys say that, uh, that he's actually done some things to rusher. That never happened at Bama. Like, I don't even need to go back to his tape. I watched every Bama game 
multiple times over. He just didn't make any impact at all as a pass rusher. So I'm glad to see his game seems like it's taken on kind of another level there maybe. And, uh, you know, he hopefully he can, I know he's not playing as an every down guy right now, but if he can evolve into that, then he'll really have outplayed my expectations for him long-term. Good call on hand. I remember writing uh, that report and thinking to myself, this is a slow burn pass rusher. Did not expect him to have that type of impact. Kyle, what do you have for us? Yeah. Braden Smith was one that stood out to me as well. Uh, But for a name that, we haven't talked about how about Avanti Maddox? Avanti yeah, Maddox good. for Philadelphia Eagles and and his impact plays that he's making in the secondary kind of pressed into action all over the place for the Eagles. And I, I emailed him out of pit as a corner, and I was like, okay, like this guy's like pretty twitchy player. Uh, I I ended up giving him a, a five, a round five p- uh, grade, and he's been very impactful on the back end for the Eagles and and making big plays for them. Maddox, uh, the other. Maddox ahead, was Trevor. a Maddox was a lesson for me because he was at the East West Shrine game and I got to watch him for three straight days in practice and by the end of the third day, as a, as as the nickel corner, he was calling out plays, identifying audibles, locking dudes down on the inside, and I was like, man, I really like this guy, and he, I I just didn't do anything with it, like I almost just didn't even think about it after that week, and so he was a lesson for me, you know, when I see something like that to to trust it because I didn't do much with that evil after that week. I was just like, oh, that was a nice week for him, but shoot, it should have taught me something about him. Yeah, that's one of the values of the All Star events, right? It's like you get to see what a, how quickly a player processes information, yes. and to be able yes. to make calls in that kind of situation in a practice setting where everybody's learning it. And whoever that guy is that kind of rises to the top and is able to to handle that information, it's usually a pretty good omen for them as a player. The other one for me, I like Jesse Bates. I had him 63rd on my board. I had a second-round grade on Jesse Bates. But he's been a stud for Cincinnati. So for him to step in as, as a young, young, young defensive mm-hmm. back and be able to you know prowl around the football the way that he has on the back end has been impressive for me. Anytime you yeah. get guys that are redshirt sophomores stepping into the NFL level, you're going to have some questions and some apprehension. And I thought Bates had all the talent in the world. He had great length, great ball skills, great fluidity, but he wasn't a consistent tackler. And he, that's still true, he, by the way, Kyle. Yeah. You didn't miss that and, part. And he need, needed to be better with his spacing on the back end. Well, I think the spacing's better. And uh, he's been productive as a tackler, even if his finishes and his misses are still present on film. I thought he was a top 12 rookie in the NFL this season. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. Sure. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and it's only fitting that this important interruption is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Have you thought about what you're getting your loved one this year? Or maybe you want to give the gift of sweet-smelling grundle bliss to your partner. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Whether you're the only one who gets to see what's going on down there or you're one of many, do you, your partner, and everyone else a favor and introduce yourself to this revolutionary company. Manscaped just launched their brand new Perfect Package. Inside the Manscaped Perfect Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which features skin-safe technology and will prevent you or your man from cutting his nuts. Speaking of smelling nice, let's be real. No one wants to carry around that locker room smell with them. That's
That's why I am thankful for the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep your crotchal region from sweating, smelling, and sticking. The perfect package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep that junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to this new new. Give the gift that will make your Valentine's Day spicy. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code locked on to get 20% off and free shipping. Ladies, this is the perfect gift for you and your man. And men, your partner will thank you. Trust me, he will thank you. And guess who else will thank you? Your balls will thank you. 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code locked on at manscaped.com. Third, got a third one, Kyle? Uh, Braden Smith. Oh, Braden Smith. Okay, yeah. yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right. So I'm up here. I also have Braden Smith. I uh, don't want to like repeat. Wow, I, I did not expect three people to pick Braden Smith. That's kind of <laughs> well, why I picked him. No, he's been good, right? So he yes. was, I had him 80th on my board. It's a third round grade, I, which means I think he can eventually be a starter, not mm-hmm. in, after week five, and, and be a good starter. And yeah. uh, you, you think about things like some of the uh, struggles that some Auburn. Offensive linemen have had acclimating to the NFL. He had three years of experience. He, he switched around a little bit between guard and tackle. I thought he was a guard, uh, a, a guard in a tackle's body, and then he winds up being a really st- solid starter, which if you look at this offensive line uh, situation with guys acclimating to the NFL, it, it's they don't catch on that quick. And I think between him and, and obviously Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, Frank Ragnow, we've had, we've had about four, uh, Will Hernandez as well, five guys that I thought have, have really – been what we truly call a plug and play starter. I think that's a really overused term, especially for offensive linemen. But those those five have proven to be that. And so I was a little surprised uh, so early for for Braden Smith. Uh, one guy I thought uh, Philip Lindsay, right? I mean, he's fifth in the NFL in rushing yards, the first ever undrafted rookie to be a Pro Bowler on offense. And uh, you know, I don't fault myself too much for this because it didn't eval Philip Lindsay. But you know, when you when you talk about this volume of work that we do. You're trying to come up with a, a manageable list of prospects to to evaluate that you think are going to get drafted. Well, Philip Lindsay's 5'7", 184 pounds. He's the all-time uh, all-purpose leader in for yards at Colorado, and he doesn't get a combine invite. He wasn't one of the 32 running backs invited to the combine. That says a lot. And then he goes undrafted, right? Nobody right. thought he was going to be this. Right. Nobody. Yeah, nobody. Right. nobody. And not even the NFL who did evaluate him. Uh, so he signs on with the you know with the local team there, and, and he looks like he's a dynamic offensive weapon. He is. He's a Pro Bowler, 991 yards. He's he's great. He's he's the first rookie undrafted Pro Bowler ever. I never ever. I never knew that, but wow. that, he's ever. the first one ever. Just crazy ever. on offense. Yeah. So that obviously exceeds expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm I'm gonna do the Homer thing here. Josh Allen, his first five starts, guys. You guys knew I was on suicide watch watching this. They game. were they were horrendous. I mean, <laughs> I mean bad. everything that you I was worried about him being in the NFL, it was manifested in those five starts. Horrible. Yeah. Then he got hurt. Then he got the elbow thing. And I think a lot of things mattered during that time away. First of all, he got a first chance to work with a veteran quarterback, Derek Anderson, Matt Barkley. No, those guys aren't what you, you know, they're not great established veterans who've had great years as, as starting quarterbacks. But having an opportunity for once, he entered the season with Nate Peterman and himself in the quarterback room. That time with those guys mattered. He had an opportunity for uh, the offense to become less reliant on Calvin Benjamin, and he made magic happen with Robert Foster and Isaiah McKenzie. And he's grown, I think, a lot in terms of a mental processor. His decision making, his accuracy has been better, and uh, it looks like you know. Look, it, my fears—it's—it's it's been a one eighty. 
He's not where he needs to be. He's still a lot of variance in his passing. But for a guy that I had 90th on my board that thought was truly a developmental guy, for me to believe that and at week 16 here that Buffalo may have its guy, that's a lot different than what I thought I'd be at this point. All right, let's move on to our next segment. Uh, three rookies that failed to meet your expectations in year one. John, four. You got me first? Yeah, John Ledger. John All right, Ledger. here we go. Ronald Jones is <laughs> just killing me. I, he's killing me. He's in the most what, ideal Where did you situation. rank him? Where did you rank him? Oh, like 15th overall. He had a first-round grade for me. Yeah, I had Crazy explosive. I was a big fan of, of his game. I thought that he ran through contact well for a smaller guy. I mean, all the traits. He had so many highlight reel, unbelievable runs last season. And, I mean, the dude just looks completely lost at the NFL level. Trevor and I have talked about it. Maybe it's a confidence thing. I know the Bucs don't have a great offensive line, but come on. Like, some of the, I mean, he should be producing way more than what he is. Like, it's definitely a bad marriage in that sense. But also, he has a perfect opportunity to take control of yeah. what might be the worst running back room in the NFL. And he can't do it. And that is just super disheartening for me. Like, easily the most disappointing player. Really the only player I've been disappointed in out of all my first-round grades so far. Um, Anthony Miller, I just kind of expected him to hit the ground running and be a lot more productive. Nobody's been consistently productive in that in that Bears receiver room. It's just kind of been kind of like depends on the game, depends on the week, depends on how many times Trubisky's going to tuck and run it. So I don't want to put at all on Anthony Miller, but I did think he would be a little more productive and he has struggled with drops this season, which I didn't think were a huge issue with him in college. So uh, there's some bumps in the road for him. I still think he's going to be an absolute stud. Um, And Austin Corbett, I just thought would be an early starter, uh, plenty of experience and versatile player. And it did, I didn't think it would happen for him at tackle. So I guess when they, when they kept Batonio at guard, it did, it was kind of hard for him to find a spot, but he was an active early on. I remember. So I just thought, I guess he would factor in maybe a little bit earlier and Batonio would play tackle. But now the, the fifth comeback of Greg Robinson's career seems to be going <laughs> well in Cleveland. So Batonio is staying at guard and obviously uh, Zeitler at the other guard spot. So there's not really, I guess, a place for Corbett right now, but I would love to see him take over for Treader eventually at center. I think Treader is just kind of an average player, and I think Corbett could be the starter there next year. So I guess I thought I, he'd crack that lineup there sooner than he did, but I, I kind of understand the reasons why he hasn't as well. Kyle, who do you have? The three rookies that have failed to meet your year one expectations. Well, I had Ronald Jones on mine, but I don't know if I can say him if because I, I had him like 69. I just two on him. I had him 69th on the board. Oh, so nice. I have no nice. I no, Very nice. nice. Yeah, real nice. <laughs> I don't have any room to complain versus John giving him a first round. 69th <laughs> on your board. And he's one of your most disappointing rookies. Well, I did. You hit on every email. <laughs> I did superlatives for each 50 on my big board when I did the prospectus last year and the superlative for most likely to make the pro bowl out of players 51 through 100, I listed Ronald Jones. Mm. And so out of that group of 50 players, I was like, Oh, like I really like Ronald Jones. I would expect he would be one to, to have a really successful season and, uh, hasn't happened with that said, Corbett was another one of mine. How about Josh Rosen? Just to get a different name out there. I know that's on Joe Marino's list. Uh, Rosen was my QB two, my eighth overall player. His situation sucks. We all know mm-hmm. it sucks. Worst He's not throwing anybody. He's got nobody blocking for him. They're playing in a tough division as far as some of the defend defenders that they're going against in that division. A lot of speed in Seattle. Uh, the Rams have unblockable guys up front, unless you're, you know, one of just a handful of lines in the NFL. 
And he's, I think, thrown four pick sixes this year. He's leading the league in pick sixes. So Rosen's struggles, if you look at the context, you can understand why and understand that he's in a very unfavorable spot right now. With that said, I wasn't expecting him to look like the worst first-round quarterback picked, which is kind of how it looks right now. I know there's ups and downs with the other guys, but Rosen just doesn't have – the mobility to survive in an unfavorable environment. The way His, some yeah, like if Lamar Jackson were in Arizona or Josh Allen were in Arizona, they would be making more plays with their legs. But I think they would look war- even worse than Rosen has as passers, sure. uh, especially losing your OC. I mean, getting fired and everything like that that's happened, plus the, I mean, just ridiculous amount of drops. But definitely it's been like the worst combination of, of, of scheme and player and offensive line because Rosen doesn't have the same escapability that Allen or, uh, or, um, Jackson Omar, have. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, like, I think Jackson has looked worse than the rest of them uh, as a passer, but because Baltimore scheme is so perfectly, I mean, they're just chip little chip passes here, play action, right. roll out, they, hit an easy they make one, it like, so simple for him when he's got a throw. Yeah. It's or, very, very different it. because of that. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say that I get where you're coming from. And I do, I thought about putting Rosen on there because I did expect things to be better. But I also said anybody who lands in Arizona, if it's a quarterback, they're totally screwed because that was the worst situation in the league. We, Trevor and I said that just looking yeah. at the roster construction going yeah. back a ways, too. So, and I don't know that it gets a ton better in year two either. Right. Pocket I'll, passer with no pocket. Yeah, I could. Yeah. It's tough. Tough spot. It's tough. Tough. Spot. I know. Get, like a couple weeks ago, too, he was th- he was getting rid of the ball third fastest of any quarterback in the NFL, and still getting ruined. Yeah, they're gonna <laughs> ruin him. Damn it, yeah. Trevor. I'll, what do we got, man? I was just gonna put one more out there real quick since okay. I have two two overlaps with John, and it's not that he's been bad, uh, Joe. You and I have talked about him, and you you know his season intimately this year, but Tremaine Edmonds has had some ups and downs with consistency and I had him fourth on my board. So was expect, I mean, you look at some of the other linebackers in this group and he's been outplayed by some of these other guys. And even though I think Tremaine's ceiling is tremendous, he hasn't been the top rookie linebacker and I had him rated as my top rookie linebacker. Yeah, his peaks though, his peaks though are really, really I'm, exciting. I didn't want to offend you. I was just I, saying, well, look, it felt like that whole <laughs> segment was at me and John. All right. Like what's going on? Uh, Trevor, what do we got, man? Uh, am I allowed to say Roquan? Can I do that? Uh, yes, yes. Roquan? Go right ahead. He's, he's been a beast. Has he? Yeah. I uh, mean, like maybe. the first two games were a little rough, but maybe. All right. Maybe I haven't watched enough Bears games then. I was just like, I've barely read about Roquan like at all. And every time I'm hearing about the Bears defense, I'm not. Even I guess if you thought he'd be a top 10 rookie, which I guess I did. Right. I mean, that's kind of the way that I'm looking at it. Like I don't Roquan was top 10, but top Roquan, was, sure. Roquan was two on my board. So. I thought Roquan was going to come in and, uh, yeah, for sure, be a top 10 rookie. He and, missed all camp, too, remember? Well, yeah. no, I know, but yeah. it's just whatever. Right. whatever. Sure. It's weird. That's why I asked. Like, can I say Roquan? Because I know he had the time that he missed in camp, and then it took him a little bit to get it going. And um, I know he's been doing good as of late, but I didn't know if you're saying he's been good the entire time he's been playing. Okay, maybe not. Um, this is NFL Under Review, local experts on the biggest NFL stories. 
The NFL Honors Award Show was last week and one surprise when it came to Defensive Player of the Year. This is Bear Motter with your Los Angeles Rams update from Lockdown Rams. Aaron Donald would have been the first player in NFL history to win the award three straight years in a row, but it wasn't the case that the NFL Honors that award this year went to Stephon Gilmore. And don't get me wrong, Stephon Gilmore had a great season. Six interceptions, 18 pass deflected, two touchdowns. He had 53 total tackles. Stephon Gilmore won the award with 21 votes. Chandler Jones came in second with 14. TJ Watt with 10. Although Donald says this doesn't bother him, I see him putting this chip on his shoulder, working even harder, and coming back stronger in 2020, which is a scary thing for the rest of the NFL. For more NFL news, subscribe to the Locked On NFL Podcast only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, Nathan Shepard. I had Nathan Shepard 11th on my board and I thought that his transition to the NFL, I think I thought he's been fine, but like, I just thought that his transition to being such a dominant player was going to be a little bit better. Uh, maybe this is actually, you know, I talked about Avante Maddox, me not buying into him at the all-star game. Uh, maybe it was me buying into Nathan Shepard at the all-star game a little bit too much, but it's early for him, I guess, but I just thought with the age, the maturity, how long he's played football, how strong he was, how dominant he was at the senior bowl, I was like, this dude can get drafted round one and play day one. Like, I thought he was going to have a, a little bit better of an impact than he's had. I know he's got some. I haven't seen one second of him, but PFF does have him graded pretty decent. So at least I think some solace in that. I, right. I think that he's been fine. Like, I think he's been okay. I thought he'd be a little bit better. That's why I had him 11th on my board. Um, Vita Vey and Ronald Jones, I'll just say both of those dudes for the Bucks because I've watched every snap that they've had or lack thereof snap that they've had. And um, <laughs> it's, it's bad. Uh, I think I, I had Vita Vey, uh 23 on my board and I had Ronald Jones 28 on my board. Um, and they're not great. I mean, Vea came in. He had to reshape his body. He had to lose a bunch of weight, which you, you might have kind of expected. But then. Yeah, he gets hurt for all camp, and they gave the excuse like, oh, you know, he missed training camp, so he's got to get his legs underneath him. Okay, well, it took getting a stern talking to from general manager Jason Light for Vita Veda to even remember that he's a, a giant human being who can pull the <laughs> Like, the mentality literally. That was the funniest narrative, as if Jason Light going to him had unlocked his potential. I love like, that story. That was funny. Every time we ask Vita about this, like, we, we keep trying to ask him, like, hey, what was the conversation between you and Light? Like, what what was said? What did he tell you? And like at the beginning, he's like, oh, uh, you know, I don't want to I don't want to really say anything. But every time we ask him, he kind of like tells a little bit more about it. And it was basically like, bro, you're a monster. Like, what are you? You're playing like a baby. Like you, you're not even doing what you're supposed to be. doing. Because even on the plays where they put Vita Vea in, his impact was not even felt. It was terrible. Um, so Ronald Jones also can't even get on the field. Uh, honorable mention since Kyle did it, Taven Bryan, he's been really bad for Jacksonville. So there you Has go. He, I know he barely plays. I think yeah, he, he barely, he barely even plays. Like he can't even crack yeah. the line. And like, I know it's kind of like a stacked front seven, but still I thought, I thought Taven would at least be in the lineup as a rotational dude to come in and have some impact. And he has not. All right. My three, uh, Ronald Jones, he was my 40. No, he was 45th draft pick. Uh, no, he was my 45th player on my board, 38th draft pick. Again, the situation to be the feature guy, and he's got 23 carries for 44 yards. 
on the season. Unbelievable. Austin Corbett, uh, also on my list, 33rd pick in the draft, 40th on my board. Thought he was a guy that could uh, find some early production. That situation's weird, and I I mean, I just it's, it could be longer, even longer before he's able to carve out a niche because it seems like it's clogged up right now. I thought he would be able to uh, really carve out that early role. So did the uh, Browns. They took him with the first pick in the second round. The other guy, at least I have a different name to bring to the table that hasn't been mentioned, James Washington, wide receiver, Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Steelers. Uh, and not that I expected him to like have a thousand yards as a rookie, but I expected him to like do something at least. Uh, he's got, <laughs> he's got <laughs> he's beyond the field, 13 catches on the year. And yet, you know, I think about like, you know, Juju and Antonio Brown are obviously the guys, but like, James Washington, vertical receiver at Oklahoma State, a four-year contributor, senior, all the stuff. You know, I thought like maybe there'd be like a few moments where he would, you know, Ben would launch one down the field and James Washington would get underneath it. Uh, but hey, last yeah. week we had one. Joe, right, the first finally one happened. Year. Right. <laughs> what if that didn't happen? He wouldn't even have a hundred yards on a year. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, uh, for a guy that I had fifty. Uh, Excuse me, fiftieth, fifty third on my board is where I had him. And I, I thought maybe, especially with the situation that he yeah. he'd have more of an impact than he has. Pittsburgh does wonders with receivers too. I mean, pretty much everybody's good there at receivers. So yeah. Oh, that makes that's another good follow up on that. So, all right, here we go. Last segment, the three. This is in. I'll have to a little disclaimer here. John Ledger came up with this segment, and it is the <laughs> most John Ledger segment. Hey, hating ass, hating ass Ledger came up with this, <laughs> this segment. Hey, listen. Listen, don't tell me you're all not excited to dunk. We just took some L's for the last couple seconds there for the most part. Well, I'm curious how many different names come to the table here, but we'll find out right now. Uh, The three. I'll tell you right now, I've got uh, 10 on my list. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we'll just let John talk and we'll end the show. Let him go first. No, let me go last. You want last? first. All right, I'll give give you two to start, okay? Well, let's tell people what it is. All right, this is the three rookies. That met your expectations and sucked, courtesy of John Ledger. Uh, are we letting John go first, guys? It's probably. probably. All right, go ahead. Probably, Listen. go ahead. I just I have one to start with, and you can come back. To, I'll let other people because I don't want to say every name. But how about the whole Raiders draft class, right? Like <laughs> I said, it was horrible when it happened, and Raiders fans were all up in their feelings, talking about you got to give these guys a chance, you got to develop these guys. Listen, Brandon Parker's own family didn't think he was going until round six or seven. <laughs> His own family. He's the first pick in the third round. Dude cannot cut block. He's in the NFL. He's starting oh a right tackle. And he cannot cut block. Colton Miller has allowed 14 sacks on left tackle, which was another joke of a pick. He was a fourth round talent. Brandon Parker over here. I mean, maybe he gets drafted. Nope. Raiders take him 65th pick overall. He's got got tools, John. He's got tools. He's given up nine sacks with those tools, and he's only started like three minutes. Both of those guys are horrible. P.J. Hall was a fifth-round player, developmental player. I know he had great athleticism, so he was going to get drafted higher. He can't even crack the lineup there uh, on a full-time basis, playing part-time, and hasn't been great when he's played. Arden Key's done jack. The best pick in the draft is Maurice Turst, exactly who I said would be the best pick. Raiders fans, I dunk on you all because I told you how this draft would end up, and so far, I've been right. You done? You got it? I got anything else? Hey, you want to get anything else out here? on the list if you guys want me to go, but I'm going to let somebody else. I don't want to say everybody because I know some of you guys share these these players with me. All right. Well, we'll go back to you, John, if there's any that need to be covered here. Uh, Kyle, go ahead, man. Yeah, Colton Miller was all mine. 
but it was worth it to it was worth it to give Colton Miller up. How about Mike Gusecki? Ooh. The least athletic elite athlete in the history. Bro, his combine is not from this earth. Makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense because the man trips over his own feet probably five times a week (laughs) trying to run routes across the middle. Like, we'll literally just fall over. If you turn on Dolphins All-22 and you're looking at the end zone view and there's a body, anything further than five yards beyond the line of scrimmage and it's on the ground, it's Mike Gusecki. Kyle, do you remember what I said about his running style when we first talked yeah, about him last year? Yeah, like he runs like a dad. No, that I was Trevor he, and I, I think that no, said I, that. I said that he runs like a middle schooler with oversized feet. <laughs> yeah, it's like he hasn't grown into his body yet. Right. That's, but well, you thought he was going to be bad? Those, those big-ass feet sure are catching up to him now. <laughs> I just don't understand. I had him 70th. I had a third round grade on Mike Gusecki. He went the second round. How do you draft him over Dallas Goddard? Yeah. Hayden Hurst. Over over Dallas Goddard, man. I don't understand it. Listen, I'm I'm about to piggyback right off of this. Can we just dunk on the whole tight end class? Because I told you all they were garbage other than Goddard, and it's been garbage other than Goddard. Hayden Hurst went the first Hey, man. Hey, man. Mark just like single-handedly yeah, beat Mark Andrews last bro. week. So he's, he's been all right. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, yeah, he's been all right. Uh, so far. Uh, in fact, he's been so all right that Hayden Hurst can't <laughs> even get on the field as a 40 year old first round pick. No, unbelievable. <laughs> he's about to be 27 and he has like getting out snapped by three other tight ends in Baltimore right now. Max Williams is one of them. If you're getting out snapped by Max Williams, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> you should. That should be it, man. <laughs> they literally yeah. took him in the first round. And then my other one was Martinez Rankin. Oh there were, yeah, there were people that thought Martinez Rankin was like a starting tackle in the NFL. Couldn't be me. And nope. Let me tell you, Rankin was tried to play out there and was terrible. And the Texans realized the error of their ways. Uh, but I remember the pre-draft process. There were people that were talking about Martinez Rankin as a potential starting tackle in the NFL. It was always wild, and you saw the product on the field. It was wild. Agreed. Tre- Trevor, any any names to bring to the table? Um, the only one I would say that hasn't been mentioned is when the Bucks drafted MJ Stewart to play nickel corner. <laughs> Trevor's like, ripping on the old Bucks draft. <laughs> I was like, he can't play nickel corner. He's not athletic enough. That's what I would have had in his scouting report. Like if you drafted him to be a safety, okay. And the plan actually is I'm hearing that they kind of like want him to be a safety, but they played him in nickel corner this year. And like the dude gets burned all the time. He's literally not the athlete that he needs to be. So I know people who were big fans of like the pick when it happened because of how physical he was and all this kinds of stuff. And I was like, he can't run. So and he can't. So, I mean, like Arden Key and Colton Miller basically would have been my other ones. Um, but I got one more name to bring to the table here. How about okay, I got uh, four more? All right. Well, I'm going to get <laughs> my kidding. one and then we'll just go back to John. Let him go crazy. Uh, remember that time the Seattle Seahawks took Rashad Penny uh, with the 27th pick in the draft. Where'd you have Penny? Where'd you have Penny? 96. Oh, I had him like in the same spot. I think I think I'd have 96. And that's. We're, and he's actually kind of emerged a little bit here as a very nice complimentary back to feature starter Chris Carson, who is closing in on a thousand yard season. Uh, Rashad Penny, I mean, you know where it would have been nice to draft Rashad Penny, Joe? In the third round, the fourth yeah. round, with the 96th pick. Right. That would have been perfect. 
that would have been fine. Yeah, if that's first. That's just, yeah, it's and I hate that because Rashad Penny doesn't deserve that. Like, but now there's this expectation, right? Especially going in, Seattle was best when Marshawn Lynch was the guy, you know, really the focal point of the offense for them to kind of bring him in with that type of expectation to really ignite this rushing attack. It it puts an unfair uh, expectation on what he can be. And what he is is what he is right now, a complimentary back. And um, uh, just yeah, come on, like I, I had to be reminded we were still in the first round when that pick came across the screen. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, John. What else you got, man? Well, I, want, I got to lob a sophomore actually to Kyle. Kyle, I'm going to lob this one up for you, and I'll let you say your piece on it. How about little Chad Thomas, one of the first picks in the third round? Oh, yeah. Chad Thomas, uh, probably better served as a five tech, and we're drafting him as a day two edge to play defensive end. Yeah, that's wild to me. He there's, wasn't there's, in my top 100. There's so. no Ben there, yeah. folks. There's there's no way that guy's turning the corner on anybody. Third round pick. How well, has Terrell Edmonds not been mentioned yet? Uh, yeah, he he could be an option too. Honestly, because he was Terrell so Edmonds far down on my big board, I didn't right. see him. Terrell Edmonds. <laughs> <laughs> Ter- <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing with Terrell Edmonds that's like. Is encouraging you, the right word? I guess. Did, like, where did I have Edmonds? He hasn't been a disaster, and I thought he would be a disaster. So, okay. like, he's just been like that. average to bad. Like, I don't have Edmonds in my top 100. So, makes no impactful plays and misses some tackles early in the season, but hasn't even missed that many in recent weeks. And like, generally, he's kind of like where he's supposed to be. Everybody else in the defense blows coverages every week. So, I actually feel like okay about Edmonds. I guess like. I mean, is he a first-round player? No. Like, he has no instincts and doesn't make any plays on the ball at all. Sounds like but, a first-round pick to me. He's <laughs> so, But I guess you could put him in here. I was thinking the other Steelers pick, Mason Rudolph. Can't beat out Josh Dobbs, who can't tie his own shoes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I had, I had Rudolph in, like, the 90s. <laughs> my gosh. Because my board didn't even go much uh, farther than that. So. He, was, he was rough in the preseason. He still – I mean, Dobbs is still the number two. So, And we all saw how that went the other day against the Raiders. Uh, Rudolph is, is rough. Uh, I mean, who knows? He's a young quarterback. I'm not trying to get him forever, but for the is purpose of this, I mean, he's a rookie, I mean, but like Rasheem green and Breland speaks were the other two names I had on the list. Both of those guys have been brutal. I guess speaks has been a little better recently. I was hearing, but John, do you, do you mean to tell me it's a bad idea to take a defensive tackle and play him an outside linebacker in the NFL? <laughs> who would have thought, especially in the defense that drops their edge guys more than any other one in the league. Weird. That could be a bad idea. <laughs> Weird. All right, folks. We hope you enjoyed the uh, the dunk sesh here at the end. Uh, <laughs> make sure you tell us if we forgot anybody. Uh, we're all on social media. Trevor's at Tampa Bay Trey on Twitter. John is at Ledyard NFL Draft. Joe is at the Joe Renault, and I'm at Grinding the Tape. Hope you guys enjoyed this Super Show Friday episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe on the show. Make sure you also swing over and hit subscribe if you are not already to Locked On NFL Draft. The four of us will be your uh, escorts throughout the winter and the spring as we work our way to the 2019 NFL Draft. I am Kyle Krabs signing off with the rest of the Draft Network crew. And thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft Eats Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.